Today we're going to pick up with verse 7 and read through verse 10. This is what it says. I'll be reading from the ESV. Picking up with verse 7, and says this, All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of, e- out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Teman, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, Shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. We are continuing in our series with the book of Obadiah. And this is a prophecy that was given to Obadiah by the Lord. There is not much known about this prophet, as I've told you. We are in part three of our series. And... This Obadiah, even though his name was common, very little is known about him. It is believed that he ministered or the, the prophecy came to be about the Mount Esau, who was the brother of Jacob, was in the 6th century B.C. As we have been looking at this, the Lord says, I'm going to judge you. Because of what you've done to your brother Jacob. Now, the brother oftentimes can be a statement or word for any relative or any close family member. But in this case, when the Lord mentions Jacob, it is a direct reference to not only Jacob, but the descendants of Jacob. They were brothers, as you know, the story of Jacob and Esau, twins. Where they even struggled in the womb. And when we consider Esau, the Bible describes him as a wild type of man where he uh, was one who loved the outdoors. And Jacob was one of those boys who was a mama's boy. He kind of stayed close to home. And his name means trickster. He was a person, if you basically tried to get over on Jacob, you need to watch out because he would get over on you. Please understand this, that you can't do wrong and get by. There's been a famous song that you can't do wrong and get by. Sometimes we think that we are getting by with things only to discover that, that down the road there is a price that we have to pay. What the Lord does is that he gives us time to get things right. And the purpose of time is so that we will have time to repent. It is often God's grace and his mercy that's given in order for us to get it right. Unfortunately, some people keep right on going and they run right past the stop signs. Stop signs are put there so that you can stop and take notice. I even get bothered when some people stop. Do you ever get bothered when sometimes people make a complete stop at the stop sign? You know that's bad if you get upset sometimes when they make a complete stop and wait two or three seconds. There you go on your horn. Where are you going that you got to be someplace so fast? Some of y'all like to mess with some people. 
You know somebody's going fast behind you, you slow down even more. I know some of y'all. Unlike some people who seem to speed up. I'm not talking about some people in here that I know. The title that we have been dealing with in this matter is When Pride Meets with Coming Judgment. When Pride Meets with Coming Judgment. Esau was going to pay a heavy price because of the evil that it had inflicted on his brother Jacob. In the book right before Obadiah, in the book of Amos, chapter 9, verse number 3, there's another prophecy that's given, and this is what it says. If they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, from there I will search them out and take them and, and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. What is the Lord saying? There comes a time to where you cannot escape judgment when the Lord has pronounced judgment on your life. Remember this, that God's mercy and his grace is given to us so that we can avoid the judgment of God. Unfortunately, Esau uh, continued to rebel and to do wrong in spite of the fact that God had even been merciful to him and the nation. They continued to do wrong. They continued to persevere in doing that which was evil. Turn with me over right to the last book of the, New Test- of the Old Testament. The book of Malachi. That would be right before Matthew. Malachi chapter 1, picking up at verse number 3 through 5. This is what it says. Malachi 1, beginning at verse 3. But Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals. Of the desert. If Edom says, We are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, They may build, but I will tear down. And they will be called the wicked country, and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. In the book of Malachi, it is believed at this time that the prophecy that had come against, that had come against him, Esau, had already now been fulfilled and that Esau had, and the nation had already been totally destroyed. When you look at the book of Malachi, the judgment that God had already pronounced by the time of Malachi's writing had already been issued. Last week we dealt with the matter of the pride of Esau, and we talked about and looked at the verse where it says, Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is among the stars, from there I will bring you down. And we described the the majesty and the majestic nature of the eagle, even how the Lord talked about how he bore Israel on eagle's wings. And the Lord even talks about bearing you on eagle's wings, meaning that there are times when you may be in situations God will will bless you and raise you up above the storms. Do you not know when there's a storm going on that the eagle will go above the storm and take those currents and stay above the storm until it's over? 
will just rarely having to rarely having to flap will just glide, can fly the highest of any bird. And the Lord speaks of taking you on eagle's wings. He will take you above the storms. And sometimes the storms in our lives are enough to break us. And there are times when God will use storms in order to change us. But what do you do when the storms of life come? Do you rebel and get angry with God? Or do you use it as an opportunity to repent and do that which is right? Verse number 7. All your allies, in speaking to Edom, back in Obadiah, all your allies have driven you to your borders. The word allies literally means the men of your covenant. When it says your allies, the men of your covenant, your friends, literally mean men of peace. The people that Esau had come to depend upon would deceive them. Have you ever had a friend that you thought was a friend? And you thought had your back only to know that they were the ones tearing you down? The one that you thought that you could depend upon and you had been leaning on was the one that was causing your demise. Lord told Esau, the one that you've been trusting in, your allies, the one that you put support in, those that you have been going about and, and, and giving your wisdom and participating with and, and talking about what a great relationship you have, I'm going to use them to bring you down. All your allies have driven you to your border, to your border, out of the country. Out of your place of comfort. Those at peace with you, they've deceived you. <laughs> they have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread, those who sit at your table, they've been setting a trap for you. Come on over and have a good meal with me. Some of the people have been setting the trap. They've been looking at a way to get you. That's what the Lord was saying to Esau. Those that you have been enjoying. They're setting a trap. Now, I'm not saying that in the case of here, but God was using these individuals because of what Esau had done. Circumstances are oftentimes used in our lives to get us to change. Be careful how you look at circumstances. Be careful how you look at events in your lives as things that just happen by chance. A couple of weeks ago, I haven't been walking in, in a while. I've been starting to gain weight in areas that I don't like to see. And so, <laughs> so on this particular night, two week, about two weeks ago, my wife and I went out, and we normally will go out in the evening. Well, of course, with the time change now, it's dark. And so we have our lights on, and we get various, I told you, you get various comments. And, and that one person, just about a month ago, we were walking, and he stopped and said, well, he was at the, he was at, the uh, at the light right at um, oh, Rona Park Expressway, and uh, I think it was uh, Snyder. And we were walking, and he rolled his window down and said, I guess Christmas came early, didn't it? <laughs> and the lights were flashing, and, you know, it looked like a Christmas tree. Or the police, you know, out there. one day a person's going by on the bike, he's, oh, I thought it was a popo. <laughs> Well, we enjoy some of the comments that people make. But on this particular evening, we normally come out and walk around by the, the high school, run to Katani, then we head down Snyder. And we normally have a direction that we go, depending, we have a few directions, and then we will circle back. But on this particular night, uh, 
we went about the first mile and we crossed the street and we turned and started coming back. I said, well, let's go this way, um, down, down towards the K section of a new development. And as we started, the road was, the sidewalk, sidewalk was blocked so we couldn't get by. I said, okay, well, let's go back around this way. So went back that way. Let's cross the street here. And I'm normally pretty clear which way we're going, but this, I just didn't know. We were just out walking. And so we started walking back towards um, our house. And I said, okay, now let's go down um, this way. Um, mountain, as we were going to go down Mount Shelly. And I started going. I said, no, I don't want to go that way. So we stopped and came back to um, Snyder and continued down. And we're walking and crossed the street where East Katadi and Snyder meet. And we're standing there. And then we're Cross the street. I said, no, I don't want to go that way. And so we walked back across the street. And I said, well, let's walk down towards Sonoma State. And, and we started and I stopped. I said, no, it's kind of dark, more dark than I want it to be. I said, and Melly said, would you make up your mind? <laughs> I don't know. I, I was just confused. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> At least I know what time it is. <laughs> we, we, we have fun. So as we then went back across the street, we're walking, and still, I'm not sure. And as we're walking, I said, I have to use the restroom. And I, and I just... I said, there's a laundromat over there. Let me just walk over there. And as I'm walking through the parking lot, I see a gentleman off to the left. And I normally, you know, just keep going. But I happened to stop and I looked. And I said, Grady? And he said, who's that? It's Marcus. Oh, what's up, Marcus? It was Grady Norwood. I had been wanting to see Grady for a while. Had told Mel... And even mentioned to some of y'all, think. But I said, I've been wanting to see Grady because I had been concerned about him. And when we saw him, I said, look at what God did. Got me all. I thought I was confused. The Lord had orchestrated all of that. All that seemed to be crazy, where I didn't know where I was going, the Lord had the plan of what I was to do, but I didn't know it. I just couldn't make up my mind, no, that has never happened out there when we walked before. And so we talked a little bit. He said, you know, Mark, I'm homeless. He said a few things that kind of concerned me. I said, okay. And so we talked. And I said, okay, Grady, and a little bit, and turned around, and we kept walking down the road for a little bit. Then while we got maybe about a half mile, mile away, and decided to come, you know, to turn and come back. Because by that time, we had got our walk in. <laughs> and on the way back, the Lord said, go back. And I really carried money, but I had $10 on me. Give him the money. So I said, now I, I, so I turned around and said, if I see him, I see him. So we went, turned around, and he was not there outside. I said, well, let's cross the street. As soon as I crossed the street, he came out of the laundromat. I said, Grady. Came over. I said, listen, I'm walking. The Lord wanted me to give this to you. 
handed it to him and said, man, thank you. Turned around and I left. Both Mel and I realized that was God's, God's hand in this situation. The very person that I needed and wanted to see, the Lord orchestrated. There are some times in your life where you think that you are just doing things. Not realizing that the Lord may be directing your steps and your path. And there you are maybe complaining about all that's happening. Not taking advantage of the situation that God at times puts before you. And so as we headed back home, we were reminiscing and just thinking about how awesome God is. That the path, the direction, and the timing was all God's. Because you say, I was at the right place at the right time. At times, God intervenes and orchestrates things. Get this, the time that we decided to leave, the direction that we went, all of those were interventions and plans of God. And so when you are praying about something and you desire something, God at times is working out the details in order for it to be a part of your life or to have you actually have that thing seen or for you to be able to see what you've been asking for. It is a people who often don't appreciate and understand and realize that if God is in your life, he, do, he orchestrates divine interventions. And if you abuse them or take them the wrong way and don't realize it, at times God will remove that. What ends up happening in our lives, there are times when the Lord puts up roadblocks and says, stop. But we then go through those roadblocks. We go through those things because that's what we want to do. There's nothing wrong at times with stopping, pondering, and saying, Lord, is this the direction you want me to take? And you need to stop. What Esau did, they just simply would not listen. And we're going to see as we go through this that when the nation or, and the country of Babylon came to, to actually to take the children of Judah, or the people of Judah, because of sin, when they came to impose God's wrath and to actually remove them from the land, it was Esau, his descendants, that participated with them and ransacked Judah. In 586-587 B.C., they participated in the raid. And then when they exited the land and were taken to Babylon, they came in and filled the territory where they were living rather than coming to their aid. It was, the Mount, it was Mount Edom, who was the same as Mount of Esau, the same name. It was this group. When Moses, I told you, they were coming out of Egypt, and they needed to go through the land, and they asked permission to go, because Edom had already been a well-established nation before Israel. And they said, you can't come through here. And he says, we just want to go through because we have to get to a certain location. And he says, you're not coming, and brought out his army. Moses just turned around and went away. Not realizing the blessing that God had given the children of Esau. They squandered them until God says, I am going to judge you. Now, there's some judgment that we need to understand that's judgment for correction. Judgments that are to help you change and turn around. And then there's some judgments that are for total destruction, as is the case with Esau. 
What does God, why does God do this? What's the point? God at times will impose a, a, a chastisement and bring about consequences to get us to stop and to pause and to consider our ways. When we refuse, then there's another process that often happens. This is okay, they didn't get that first test. Let me bring something else to get their attention. When that doesn't happen, then there's the next. There are some times where people just won't listen and there's destruction ahead. God often tries to help people to avoid destruction. Now understand this. The reason why Jesus Christ came to earth for us so that we would not have to deal or have to experience the destruction of God, his holiness. Christ coming to this earth so that we wouldn't have to face the side of God's judgment, his wrath. And when we see nations being destroyed in the Bible, it is often because they refuse to, ad- to adhere to correction. And so God, in his marvelous grace and his mercy, gives warning. But it has now been too late for Esau. Verse number 8, I read, oh, verse number, what verse am I? That was 7? That was 8? All right. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord? Destroy the wise men of Edom and understanding on Mount Esau. This is not a time or a reference to a day and time, but it is a reference to the day of judgment that God will bring judgment to the nations. Now, I want you to look carefully again because the question is this. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men of Edom? We say that is a rhetorical question, meaning what? That the answer is implied in the question. So the answer would be yes. Rhetorical questions mean that the answer is already implied in the way the question is being asked. And understanding out of Mount Esau, and your mighty men shall be dismayed, verse 9, O Teman, so that every man from Mount Esau be cut off by slaughter. The Bible says that God will leave no wise men, nor any of their warriors, whom they had come to trust in. There are some people who trust only in themselves. It says, I don't need nobody else. I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. That's not true. We oftentimes hear the words and the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. That's not true. Don't say that if you've been saying that. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. God helps those who help themselves. You can't help yourself. Some of y'all have the case. Help it, but you can't help yourself. <laughs> What does that mean? We're saying that there's some things that I can do of myself in order to merit or earn my way. When we say God helps those who help themselves, you are saying that I can do so much and then God can come in and feel the rest. No. Don't you know that you are bankrupt? I don't know if anybody has ever filed a chapter 7 or 13, but bankruptcy means that you have, you have more going out expenses more debt than the ability to pay. It doesn't mean you don't have any funds, but it means that your expenses now have exceeded to such a magnificent amount or such a degree to where there's no way you can get out of this. And sometimes it does mean you have nothing. When we say that we are bankrupt, that means that we can bring nothing to God of ourselves. What Esau, who oftentimes is also known as Mount Seir, 
And Teman was the capital of Esau. When you hear this name, Teman, it actually represented the entire uh, country of Esau. It was a reference to the nation. Do you not know that one of the individuals, the wise men that went to go talk to Job, three of the men, that one of those individuals, I believe it may have been Eliphaz, was a Temanite, a Temanite. He came from this country. They were known for their wisdom. They, they, were, they, were, they were known for their understanding. And so when the Lord is talking about excuse me, their wisdom, he is telling them that even your wise men, even around the world, people that you have, you have been known for your wisdom, I'm going to destroy You've been known and your wise men have been able to get out of all types of situations. That's not going to be the case. In the book of Kings, I'm not going to turn there, I believe it is. In fact, for the reference for Job, it would be chapter 2, verse 11a. Job chapter 2, verse 11. You will see that the friends of Job who came to talk with him, one of those individuals from Teman. The Bible speaks in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 30, that Solomon was known for his wisdom and had more wisdom than all the people of the east. And Egypt was also a reference to Esau. Solomon's wisdom was greater than all. And so when that was stated, you need to understand that Heman, those in Esau, they were known for their wisdom. That's what they took pride in. It was their pride in what they had or thought they had. And God says, all of your strengths I'm going to be bringing and taking down. I'm going to remove. Have you ever been broken before? Said nothing can get to me, but have you ever been to a place of just pure brokenness in your life? Where you were just saying, if one more thing happens, I don't know what I'll do. And that one more thing happens. And then you say, if one more thing after this happens, and then two more things after that happens, broken. Have you ever been there? Broken. Have you ever been to a state to where you were just so beat up and felt like you could not go on? I think we've all been there at one point in our lives. And then there was a glimmer of hope. There was a, 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 just a, a ray of light, light shining through that you were able to say, oh. And it just enough to keep you going, that would not be the case for Esau. What they took pride in, it would all be taken away. We never want to get to the place that what we believe or put our hope in and what we think can never fail. We don't want to get to the place to where it does fail. We want to always remember that our hope and faith and our trust is supposed to be in God. In the Lord. As I prepare to close, verse 10, let me just say this about verse 9 before going to 10. And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Teman. Teman is just a synonym for Esau, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. The guards that have been watching the mountains. Esau had built this wonderful place up in the hills. It was, it, it, it was a marvel. This area up in, the, in, the, in these clefts of the rock, rock to where they were bas- it was basically impregnable. Their hope, their trust, everything. And then they would have watchmen and soldiers. God says, I'm bringing you down. Then it says, 
Verse 10, because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. As a reference, you can write down Joel chapter 3, verse 9. The violence of Jacob continued throughout the generations. The naming of Jacob as a brother is stressing the awfulness, the awfulness of what Esau had done. I never want to get to the place where I bypass God's loving kindness, his mercy, his generosity. Even in my anger sometimes when you get upset. I don't want to ever get to a place where I get so upset to where I am at the verge of no return. I mean, my, my, my thing is that it takes a lot to get me upset. And it seems to be the enemy's not only attempt, but his whole plan, whole plan is to push you to the brink of despair. Some of you right now may be dealing with things in your life to where you're at the point of despair. Always remember, there's hope in God, and God always has a plan for you. Whenever you think that there's no way out, remember this, God has already orchestrated all the events of your life. Even the turns when he knew you were going to go down a path that was a dead end, he's already worked that out for you as well. The only thing that we need to understand and and recognize is that God created you for himself. He never created you for destruction. He created you for blessings. He created to bless you abundantly and, and and to help you, but to be blessed, you have to go through things. We have to understand that this world is one of trials, and we have to trust him. Pride says, I can do it myself, and I don't need God. We don't want to get to that place, but we want to be at a place that we say, Lord, we sing a song, I give myself away. Give myself away. I give myself to you, oh Lord. My life is not my Sometimes it's just good to rededicate ourselves. Would you stand with me? Just to understand and recognize that God has such a marvelous plan for you. And so this is what I would like to pray today in our closing. Just two things I want to do. Is there anything in your life right now to where you may believe or feel that I've been in rebellion against God in this and I need to you know, get it right? I don't want to have God's judgment. So I want you to think about that for yourself in your own heart. You don't have to share it with anybody. Now just, Lord, is there anything, what is that thing that I'm in rebellion against you for? That's one. And then the second is this. I want to be, Lord, one to where I open up all areas of my life for you to direct. Where I have kept you from having the full control. Where in my own pride I have sought to do it myself. And have excluded you. Today, Lord, as we have heard the message, have worshipped today and had fun and yet realize it's also a matter of repentance that we need to have and to have a mindset of repentance. That if there's anything that we're harboring, and then you should yourself, individuals, can say the thing in your heart that you have been harboring. Or either it's pride, Lord, which is rebellion. (laughs) Anything that I have been holding on to that I know has displeased you, I don't want to in pride say I'm not giving this up. 
but to say, Lord, I need your help in taking this and correcting this in my life, that I don't hold anything from you. And then I open myself to you so that, God, you can fill me, so that the bankruptcy that is in my life is filled by your marvelousness, your marvelous grace and mercy, that you yourself feel that void. Today, God, we open ourselves to you in this place to say as a renewal, you have priority. We don't want to experience the wrath of God nor destruction, but oh, we want to be a blessed people that often is referenced in your word. We thank you, Lord, that our God is one and that we are to hear. We bless your name, give you all the glory. Be with us and we honor you in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you.